it's not um, a What's This Bitch Talking About podcast episode unless I've just spilled some sort of alcoholic beverage right before I press record. Okay, let's go. Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Nixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date, which means today, April 24th, 2021, we are talking about the episode Intervention and also the Angel episode Dead End. Um, apologies for not, I, because my last podcast episode, I just posted it like three days ago, it was late and I forgot to even talk about the episode of Angel because I didn't even watch it. So I kind of wish I had because I'm sure that there's at least a moment where Angel like gets a phone call and needs to go see Buffy, right? Or something? Or did that happen in the episode before that? But it was so long ago that I don't remember. Fuck, I don't know. Anyway, so sorry. I do try to like keep up with that, but you guys know that I am not the podcast to go to if you want to hear all the details about Angel. That said, let me drink my little cactus shot of whiskey. It's a shot glass that looks like a cactus. It is the cutest and I love it. Um, let me take my little cactus shot of whiskey and then we will talk about Angel real quick. Okay? So that way I don't spill any more of it. Oh, I'm so happy to whiskey in my lap again. I ran out and I was having to like resort to drinking other booze in the house and I don't really like other things. I just like whiskey and red wine and that's about it. And I do enjoy um, a Mexican beer. Yeah, Mexican beer, red wine, whiskey. If you would like to get me an alcohol flavor pack of my favorites. <laughs> and it has to be like Kentucky bourbon or Tennessee bourbon, you know, bourbon, down, down South bourbon. <laughs> okay. How are you guys? Um, let's talk about stupid angel. Okay. So this episode is basically, it's an episode really focusing on Lindsay's character because the whole thing is about just sending him off because he's, we're supposed to think that this is his forever goodbye. Just in case you don't know, this is not a spoiler free podcast. So not a spoiler or is a spoiler. Lindsay's going to be back at some point, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, so, and I think this is also like a little bit of a love letter to the actor as well, because we have to see him sing pretty much like the entire, an entire song at the karaoke bar. And he does have a pretty voice. And I thought to myself, I think this is actually him singing. And it was, he, his, the actor's name that plays Lindsay is Christian Kane. And he is in a band called Kane and it's like a Southern country rock band, or at least it was in the year 2000. Um, 2001, I guess, is what we're in now. Um, God. I, there's something about this person. No offense if you're listening, Christian Kane. I mean, this is you 20 years ago, so I'm sure you've changed quite a bit. But 
I, there's something about this guy, his, his bracelet, his like silver flirtily chainy looking bracelet. There's something about that bracelet just sets me off. It just reminds me of like so many dirt bags that I knew in 2001. I don't know. <laughs> that bracelet and the country rock singing and the like, I've got this beat up old trunk truck. I am so authentic. I don't know. I'm just, I'm very triggered. So this was, this episode was basically just a send off of that character. And it was to let us know that Cordelia is really going through it right now. I assume that it's going to be in the next episode or two that we get a really big moment with Cordelia. I don't remember exactly what it is, but the visions are really taking a toll, as she says at the end of the episode. She finally admits that the visions are starting to take a toll. She is really going through it. Like they're giving her these terrible hangovers and she has all these headaches because of the visions. And the theory is that in the past, the person that was entrusted to have the visions from the powers that be was a person that was half demon. So the idea, I guess, is that a human's body couldn't really handle the visions long term. So we're going to get the reckoning for that whole situation probably soon. And that might be something that I want to talk a little bit more about. Um, let me see if there's anything else I want to say about this episode. I guess I could just read you my notes. <laughs> Lindsay, guy murdering his family. Cordy having a vision. Lindsay versus Lila. Lindsay is getting a new hand, a possessed hand. Angel has to talk to Cordelia to get more details. Cordelia is not doing well. Lindsay can play guitar. Again, some country shit. <laughs> kill, kill, kill. Angel got sandwiches. Cordelia loves Angel. That was a cute moment where he like, she's obviously not doing well and people keep asking her if she needs anything and she kind of snapped at everybody. Why does everybody keep asking me if I need something? And so Angel wanted to get her some food and so he just ordered a whole bunch of different sandwiches and then he's like I, I forgot what you like well, why didn't you just ask me and he's like because you said well you didn't want people to ask you if you wanted something so I, I didn't want to ask you so he just bought like every single flavor of sandwich and it was just a cute moment because he was offering her all these sandwich choices and she just looked straight at him and said I love you and that was just a sweet moment just to see the sort of like the growth of Cordelia and Angel's friendship. I wish right now it feels very organic and it doesn't feel like there will ever be anything romantic between them. I wish that the show had never gone there because I feel like at this point in time in 2021, we don't always have to have that with characters. I feel like it's okay now, generally speaking, to have, you know, a male and female hetero, you know, hetero people presenting as male and female not have to necessarily get together, even if they have a really close relationship. I feel like we've seen so many examples of that now, but that just was not the case at all back in 2001. Like, there just weren't characters that were close to each other whose sexual orientation went 
in the other's general direction that wasn't going to inevitably be a will-they-won't-they kind of scenario. And that does end up being the case with Cordelia and Angel, unfortunately. But at this point, it feels very sweet, like a nice little friendship. And I wish they had just kept it at that. Because it always, it was always very weird when that happened. I just, I don't know, like I'd never really cared about Buffy and Angel as a relationship overall, but at the same time, I don't want to see him with anyone else. <laughs> it's like, I want him to be hopelessly devoted to Buffy at all times, and I don't know why. I mean, it's definitely one of those things where like no one, everyone pales in comparison to Buffy. Buffy is the ultimate, um... But I don't know, for some reason, I just feel like all of his shit is inauthentic. All of everything that he is and was as a character on Buffy is authentic, inauthentic if he can have feelings for other people so frequently. And it seems like he does have feelings for other people pretty frequently on his own show because they just, they want him to get the girl sometimes, you know? And I just wish they hadn't gone that direction with him because I feel like because of his unique scenario, he needs to present as asexual, even though that's not his actual sexuality. That's how he needs to present because he can't have that, you know? Which I know it's not exactly like he loses his soul just because of sex, obviously, because he just had sex with Darla and he's had sex with, he had sex with that one lawyer chick. Has that happened yet? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Who cares? Um, we go to the karaoke bar. We get Lindsay singing. Everyone's worrying about Cordelia. We find out that Wolverman Hart has like this like basement full of people that they use, that they keep on like life support and they harvest their body parts for people that need them. So that's how Lindsay got a new hand. Um, it's, it's crazy. Um, and then the episode ends with like, Lindsay throws this big fit in front of a courtroom in front of, cause they're trying to choose between Lila and Lindsay being the head of whatever department it is that they're in. And so like, it's been ramping up that they're competing against each other and blah, blah, blah. And so they are calling a meeting to sort of announce that they've chosen Lindsay, but Lindsay decides to like play a little, I have an evil hand though game and like threaten them all and like convince them to choose Lila instead of him so he can get out of town on his beat up old truck. And then there's some shit with like Angel spray painted cops suck on the back of his truck because funny that just doesn't seem like i mean yeah i guess it's funny like michael laughed at that quite a lot he was really yucking it up but and i guess it was funny but like it just doesn't seem like something that angel would do there were some cute moments in the episode though because angel and Lindsay had to work together because the person that um, Cordelia had the vision about early on in the episode was also a recipient of one of these evil spare parts from Wolfram and Hart. So they're 
cases were overlapping because Lindsay was trying to figure out why his hand kept writing kill, kill, kill. And it was because the person whose hand it used to belong to wants to die because he's suffering so much. So he meant kill him. So Lindsay pulled the plug on him, which I also feel like that moment was a little rushed because I don't know, maybe we were supposed to think that this guy didn't have much left of him, but in the shots that I saw, it looked like he was only missing a hand. <laughs> like, I think a person can live without one hand. I mean, Lindsay had, has been doing it for like six months or whatever. I don't know how long it's been since Angel cut his hand off because I don't pay that much attention. Speaking of not paying that much attention, let's stop talking about Angel now, shall we? Let's move on to Buffy. So, Buffy Intervention. This is the one where we get introduced to the Buffy bot. We get that moment where Spike refuses to betray Buffy. And so she kisses him. We get um, the vision quest where Giles has to do his little dance inside the circle, outside the circle, hokey pokey with the gourd. We get, it's a really good episode. Yeah. I don't have that many notes for it, but let's, let's go. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like funny if I was just like, okay, so that's it. See you guys later. Bye. Um, right before I pressed record, I was like walking into my little, um, my little closet space where I record my podcasts and I was like, okay, it's time to light my candles. And <laughs> Michael's like, yeah, because that's the essential first step in any podcast. <laughs> yep, for me it is. For me it is. If I'm doing a nighttime podcast, which is most of the time when I'm doing my Buffy podcast, then I gotta light some candles. So, just to keep you guys updated on my candle game right now, I have one, two, three tea light candles, one gothic gateway, which is sort of like a a semi-local person that um, makes these candles that I buy at a witchy store that's about an hour from my house. And then I have a new thing that's kind of expensive. I spent a little chunk of change on a couple of candles from a company called Bijou Candles. I totally fell for the Instagram marketing guys. I think this might be the first time I've seen ads on Instagram and I actually bought something after seeing ads on Instagram. I think it's possible but they have all of their candles are like fine fragrance cancel candles so they're like perfumed candles and they're pretty big like I assume that this will be a candle that will burn for many 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 hours um, and they're um, they're all named after like pop culture figures so they have like um, the one of the candles I bought two I bought Vampira and I bought Willow. So I'm burning the Willow candle right now, of course. <laughs> and it's very, it's kind of a masculine scent, but not in a terrible way. Although the jury's still out on whether I like it or not. I don't know if I like the Vampira candle either. It's kind of like rosy and soapy. You guys aren't here for candle reviews, but anyway. Let me take a sip of my mango water and let's get going. Okay, so the episode opens with Giles helping out to like clear the dishes 
at the house with Dawn and Buffy and they're just playing a little family right now and this is kind of sweet and it's it's too bad that like you know the rest of the season just gonna be peril 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 probably I think because we have like four episodes left I think hold on let me check One, two, three. Yep. Yep. We have four episodes left until the end of the season, until Buffy's death. So it's, yeah, it's just going to be peril, peril, peril. Um, so it's, it's nice that they've given us a little bit of, I mean, it's been peril because obviously we're dealing with the huge loss of, you know, the mother figure on the show, but so it's been sad but it at least has been slightly calm on the like violence and peril front. It's more been about, you know, interpersonal stuff and grief and all of that. And I think they gave that, I said that already earlier this week, but I think they gave Joyce's death some pretty significant weight. I think they did a good job with that because even like, you know, the first scene of this episode is all about, you know, how's Buffy doing? How is it all going? She's telling Giles we're getting into a routine, you know, some minutes are harder than others. And I think that was a really well, a really well written phrase. Some minutes are harder than others because isn't that right? When you're going through something really, really terrible, it's like every second is an hour, you know, and you're just on a roller coaster. Um, so yeah, I think that, that, that seemed fitting. And the conversation between Giles and Buffy at the beginning of this episode, basically they're just talking about Buffy's afraid. She doesn't want to do a bunch of super training. She doesn't want to go back to like hardcore Slayer training like she was doing earlier in the season because she's afraid that slaying is killing her ability to love. And, you know, she talks about how Riley left her because she wasn't emotionally available, essentially. And she's worried. And Giles is so great. He's just like, you know, he tries to reassure her. And then he realizes it's almost like, it's almost like he's, he's coming in from different angles. Like, how, how do I help her right now? So he kind of like, he tried to do the like, Oh no, Buffy, you're totally, you're okay. It's totally understandable, you know, that you would be feeling like this after your mom. And she's like, well, it was before that. And, you know, he realizes, okay, she doesn't want to be reassured right now. She wants to actually take some action. So he suggests a vision quest. Um, so that's the whole setup for the episode. She's going to go on a vision quest. And Dawn's super mature in the scene. I think this is the first time we've sort of seen her in this more mature light because she just kind of tells Buffy, she just kind of walks in on the conversation and Buffy's saying, oh, I can't go because, because Giles is explaining that, you know, this vision quest could take a day or two. And, um, Dawn just walks in on the middle of it, in the middle of the conversation. And she's just like, sure you can. I'll be fine. I'll hang with the gang. It'll be cool. And so she does, she's going to stay with Xander and everybody just like has a sleepover or something at Xander's house, which is kind of cute. It's too bad we couldn't have seen more of that. Too bad we couldn't have like a whole episode of silly sleepover with Xander, Anya, Willow, Tara, and Dawn, but that's not how that went. But you know what I'm saying? 
So I guess I just wish every episode of Buffy were like half an hour longer so we could simmer in... I don't want the fight scenes to be extended. If anything, I'd like them to be shortened. Although I really do like the new stunt person and stunt choreographer. Like, nothing against the originals, but I know they worked really hard and they worked with Sarah Michelle Gellar longer. Um, and the crew, they worked with them longer since we just got the new stunt coordinator and um, stunt woman in this particular season. But, so nothing against the old ones, but I kind of... I kind of like the new ones better. I don't like, I'm not as annoyed by the fight scenes anymore. And I, I think it's just because mostly because of the music too. So I think we've gotten a new person doing the score as well. Um, I'm sorry. I don't have information on that, except that I'm pretty sure it's a new person. <laughs> People come to podcasts for information, but Unfortunately, I don't bring that to podcasting. <laughs> ah, okay. I'm good at what I do, really. Although, you know, I don't actually get paid for this podcast, so maybe I shouldn't feel bad that, you know, I'm just sitting in a dark room at 10 o'clock at night talking about what I know. At least I'm honest about what I know and don't know, but I'm kind of sometimes, sometimes I don't have the energy to look anything up, so whatever. I'm pretty sure there's a new person doing the the score for Buffy. And much as I like the old person, I'm not remembering his name at the moment. The name Christopher Guest keeps coming to mind, and I know it's not Christopher Guest, because that's the best in show guy. <laughs> so it's not that. But anyway, um, I'm finding the fight scenes overall less annoying in general, and we're ramping up to a really good one. The fight between Glory and Buffy at the end of the season is actually pretty phenomenal, and I don't hate watching it. Okay. <laughs> okay, some minutes are harder than others. Da, 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 da. Vision quest time. So then Buffy is trying to say to Dawn that she loves her because she's worried that she's lost her capacity to love. So she starts telling Dawn that she loves her and she just gets really weird about it, like repeating it over and over. And Dawn's like, okay, you're getting a little creepy. <laughs> and then the transition to the next scene wherein the Buffy bot is introduced is, you know, Buffy saying to Dawn, well, weird love is better than no love. <laughs> because Dawn was just like, you're getting weird. <laughs> um, and so that transitions into Spike's weird love. So his Buffy bot has, is finished. Um, if we think about this as happening in real time, he asked Warren for the Buffy bot at this point would have been about two months ago. So I feel like that tracks. It would probably take a long time to make a robot that complex. So I'm okay with that time period. I think that makes sense. Okay. Buffy, Buffy bot. That's all I wrote for that entire scene. Buffy bot. So, um, we see Warren for a second because he's like, yeah, uh, so all the scenario responses, I programmed all the stuff about her friends and all the stuff about slaying and all that stuff. Okay, bye. And we see him like he's in that same set that was like his mom's 
basement or something like that. And then he just kind of runs out and leaves Spike there by himself. Like, where is Warren's mom? Okay, I know we're not here for that conversation, so I'll move on. Um, <laughs> then we get a scene with Glory. She's whining about, you know, like, are we going to get to are we going to get to the key in time? Blah, blah, blah. And then she comes up with a plan and says, and sends her minions to check on, to watch Buffy because she's like, okay, if we know the key is a human now. So it's going to be someone that is close to the Slayer. I don't know why she knows that, but she does. And she's going to be protecting it her, him. She's going to be protecting the key with her life. She's going to treat it as precious. So watch her and see who she protects. So then Buffy goes out of town for her vision quest and the minions are watching all of her friends and they see the Buffy bot, but they don't know that it's the Buffy bot, but they see the Buffy bot protecting Spike at all costs. So they think that he's the key. So the minions kidnap Spike. I am getting way ahead of myself, but let me go back to my notes and get back on track. That's essentially the entire episode right there. Okay. A book, a gourd, and a bunch of twigs. <laughs> so they're Buffy and Giles are headed to the desert to go to this vision quest. And, um, Giles is there as her guide. Um, and he's like getting supplies out of his trunk and Buffy's like, I wondered about that, you know, like food, water, a compass. Like, why didn't she pack that shit for herself if she needed that shit? This was extremely distracting to me this time around for some reason. I just kept thinking during this entire vision quest thing, which one can presume that at least it was an all night thing because she didn't come back until daylight and she got there at daylight. So I'm assuming that she was out there in the dry, dry desert for minimum 12 hours with no water. Couldn't they have at least shown her with like, you know, a little, whatever you call it, whatever you call those little, like a canteen. Yes. A canteen. I think that's the word. <laughs> they could have at least shown her with like a canteen on a leather strap that she had. What is with the very, very brown outfits? Like, was this just to contrast her with the Buffy bot? Because this just does not seem like a Buffy outfit. She was wearing a brown oversized, like big knit turtleneck with like a brown suede trench coat kind of thing and brown pants and probably brown boots because I didn't even notice the shoes. Very brown. And so was like Giles was also wearing like a brown shirt and a brown jacket, I think, but with jeans. So he looked a little less ridiculous. I don't know. It's just like all the monochromatic dark brown on Buffy just seemed very strange. Like, has she ever, have we ever even seen her wear dark brown ever? Like, were they trying to make her look really earthy? Like, I didn't hate the style of the, like the coat and the sweater and all that stuff, but I just wish they would have mixed it up a little bit. Like the sweater could have been an olive green or the, you know, the pants could have been 
I don't know, some other shade. It was all like the same shade of dark brown. And it was very distracting to me. And she couldn't even have fucking canteen. She's walking around in the desert for hours on end. Anyway, that was distracting to me. <laughs> I get distracted by little things. As you may have noticed, if this is not your first time listening to my podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I, I feel like I don't thank you guys that often, but it's, I really, really appreciate it. You know, this is a different thing than the other things that I do. Like my YouTube channel is mostly about tarot. My um, radio show is mostly just my own personal ramblings. And this is just sort of my weird little outlier thing where I just talk about Buffy and it's probably my least popular thing, perhaps. But so if you are listening, you are one of a small number of people. And I really, really appreciate it. Like, I don't know why I would be your choice for Buffy shenanigans, because I probably do not have unique insights and I definitely don't have any kind of structure to my show, but I appreciate it. I'm a little loopy because full day at work and I'm healing a tattoo. You guys, it's so, it's at the itchy phase right now. And I'm just like really spending a lot of my energy, not scratching it right now. So the fact that I'm even coherent at all is, I mean, it's something <laughs> you may be like, well, actually you're not that coherent, not that much. Okay. Let's get back to the notes. So I wrote a book, a gourd, and a bunch of twigs because she was like a compass, some food, oh, some water. And he's like, how about a book, a gourd, and a bunch of twigs? So then he makes a circle out of the twigs and he reads from a book what he's supposed to do. And he like, this was a really, really cute moment. This whole thing where he's like jumping into the circle and out of the circle and shaking his gourd and all of that stuff. And Buffy's just very deadpan. And that's what it's all about. <laughs> and it was just, I really like how comfortable Buffy and Giles are with each other. I think that, you know, I'm noticing all these little nuances with characters evolving and growing together, especially in this season. And I think that the relationship between Buffy and Giles has really been a focus in this season. And I really appreciate that. I'm like starting to... I've always thought that I would pick season three as my favorite season or maybe even season six, but like looking at it through this lens of being like, you know, really taking my time, watching each episode one at a time, really taking the time because I'm watching it in real time. So I can't just binge it. Just doing it in that way has really changed my relationship to the show and so far season five is really coming out on top for me right now. Like I still love season three. I have a really soft spot for season one. Like I know people hate it, but like it's ridiculousness and it's campiness is so comforting to me. Like I'm surprised I don't just watch season one like often, but I don't, I haven't actually gotten back to any seasons of Buffy while I've been doing this project. Very weird that I haven't because I've always rewatched Buffy, but during this project, I've just been watching it with you guys in the anniversary times and that's it. So that's kind of strange. Um, okay. Getting sidetracked a lot today. 
Um, I didn't even read the note. They're very brown, but yeah, I already talked about that. Um, then we get an episode, an episode, uh, scene. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. A scene between Buffy, the Buffy bot and Spike. And it's just, you know, typical like sex bot bullshit, you know, this particular and Sarah Michelle Gellar. I mean, we all know she's, she's a great actress, but she is doing a really great job at acting like that robot chick, April, from a few episodes back. She is really doing a good job at like having the cadence of her speaking patterns and things like that and other little mannerisms while still maintaining a roughly buffy personality type because, you know, Spike wanted her to not only look exactly like Buffy, but also be a lot like Buffy. And I think the choices that Sarah Michelle Gellar made in these scenes where she's being the Buffy bot are really good. She did a great job. Um, okay. So then we go back to the vision quest and part of Giles's little like ritual was to transfer his guardianship. So like his watcherness, I guess it was, the idea was to transfer his watcheriness to her or to some other guide or something. So he's not going with her on the vision quest. She's going on it alone. And so Buffy's wandering around in the desert, whatever. And she sees like a Puma cat and very obviously, like we get a profile moment where the cat is like walking and it's just like, it's got that cute blubbery belly that like house cats get. So very obviously not a wild cat, but speaking of cats, okay, <laughs> here's another little sidetrack for you guys. So I just got a new tattoo. So I've been thinking about tattoos because that's what happens. That's the cycle. So, um, I was thinking about what tattoos do I still want? Um, at this point I have 16 tattoos, so I'm getting, uh, I'm not covered by any means, but like I'm I'm getting some tattoos. I got some tattoos. I got 16 of them. So I'm like, okay, how many more do I really want? And I made a list and there's at least four or five that I for sure want still. And one of them is, I mean, this is not usually my kind of thing, but you see my very first soulmate in this universe was a cat named Maxine. She's a Siamese cat. She came into our lives. My mom adopted her, I think in like 1992, if I remember correctly. Um, mom, you can correct me on that. Um, 1992, I think. Why do I, why do I have that number? Like I would remember that, like I would have been nine years old, but anyway, she was just the best cat. She would just, she was so tolerant and calm and she would just sit on your lap. She would wait for me to come home from school. Like we just had a very special relationship and she lived a very long life. Like she, she didn't go to college as I call it until let's see, I think 2011, I think it was early 2011, I think. So she would have been Yeah, she would have been like 20, over 20, probably. Anyway, she was just the best cat and she was so beautiful. She was a Siamese cat, but she had like, um, 
she had like this milk mustache like I don't know she was just the most beautiful cat in the universe and this is not normally my thing to do something like this like I never thought I would get like a portrait tattoo but I think I mean I don't want it to be super realistic I want it to still be in a tattoo style because something that's super realistic is probably not going to look the best you know in 20 years time 10 years time um, so not like a straight-up portrait but I think I want kind of a portrait of Max on my thigh so that she can sit on my lap for all time <laughs> Isn't that the cheesiest thing you've ever heard but as soon as I had that idea I was like yep that is my next tattoo so I'm actually I'm getting a back piece I got wings tattooed on my back a few months ago and I'm getting it finished because it needs to be a two session thing I'm getting it finished next month and so I'm thinking about like going ahead and setting up my appointment while I'm getting that one finished for my max tattoo <laughs> anyway speaking of cats um, of course I really loved the moment where Buffy s first saw the cat I think it's a puma I hope I'm not wrong and she just says hello kitty and then she follows her and it's it's obviously the same desert from you know the dream sequence in restless which I thought was a nice touch and the the sort of score in the background has the same kind of like music going on as well I love this kind of shit I wish we would have gotten more of this kind of stuff in the show just in general of Buffy really like looking into herself I really like that theme and that's kind of the theme of season five is like looking inward and you know figuring out your purpose and it's very much like not to go tarot on you guys but it's very much a strength card thing and even just like literally if you look up strength tarot card one of the first images if not the very first most likely images you're gonna see is a person with their hands on the head and jaw of like a predatory cat and the idea is that you are overcoming your own animalistic nature to a certain extent it's it's about overcoming something and it's I've always thought of it thought of it as a slayer card pretty much like that's my slayer card that's what I think of as a slayer card if I were making a pop culture deck Buffy would be in the strength card um but and, and, and at, at this moment she's literally falling following a cat through the desert on a vision quest so that's kind of a literal like strength card moment for her but it just really reinforced my ideas about the strength card as being a slayer situation um yeah I don't know I really really liked that about this episode too okay then we get um we go back to so we're at Xander's house so they're having the sleepover Dawn steals a pair of earrings so they're gonna be Anya's earrings which like okay I get what they're doing here they're planting little seeds of hey Dawn's a klepto now but I just feel like this would not be Dawn's klepto shit like a lot of women go through a klepto phase 
it's a thing. But we have morals about where we steal things from. Like, I probably shouldn't say we because I stole something whenever I was like a teenager, like a handful of times, like five at the most. So like, I maybe am not the one to talk about this experience, but in my experience, when I talk to other people my age that also stole things, it was structured. You know, we stole from Walmart. We stole from the mall. We weren't going to steal from Giles and Anya. I mean, come on. But I get that, like, we're not seeing Dawn in, I mean, from the perspective of writing the show, we're not seeing Dawn in settings where she's at the mall. She's, you know, and that kind of stuff. Although they could create something like that. I didn't, again, me focusing on details that I shouldn't focus on, but I just feel like Dawn would not be stealing from Anya. Although, I mean, my sister was a serious klepto and she did steal from us. And I guess, okay, I'm talking myself out of this because Dawn was probably stealing because she needed attention. So I guess in my case, whenever I, like my klepto behavior was based on, I need this thing. I can't afford it. I'm just going to take it because this isn't, because this is Walmart. So who cares? Um, one of the times that I always think about is I stole, um, I stole a pregnancy test from Walmart once in my early twenties because my logic was I shouldn't have to pay someone to know whether or not I'm pregnant. This is some, this is some like patriarchal bullshit. And so I actually don't even regret that. I stole a pregnancy test from Walmart. I don't regret it. <laughs> I didn't want to have to pay for it. Um, yeah, but I guess it's totally different for Dawn because she she's doing it out of solace. She's doing it out of grief and anger and needing people to be paying attention to her. And so, you know, like, and you could see her in the last episode. You could, that first time that she was taking things from the magic shop because she was trying to you know, do that spell to resurrect Joyce, you saw her have that sort of like extreme anxiety. And then as soon as she got away with stealing, you could see her just, Michelle Trachtenberg is just a good enough actress that you can see it. You could see it all happening on her face that she was like getting that rush from stealing something. So it makes sense that we would see her start to steal things. And that's going to be a big theme for her in season six. However, I just, I don't like that. I just, it's just making me sad that she's stealing from like Anya and Giles and the magic shop and stuff. And we're going to see it a lot more, whatever. Okay. Um, Buffy bot goes out to slay, runs into Xander and Anya immediately. So this is like the first night of Buffy bot being in Spike's life and they've shown them having so much sex already. There was one point where this part like just upset me a little bit. I don't know. I probably shouldn't, but there was like one part where it was obvious that she was going down on him. And I'm like, really? This is the first time I ever noticed that. It, it bugged me. I don't know why. I, 
just the idea of I'm so uncomfortable with and I don't want to sound judgy because I'm a gray sexual person so a lot of what I might say about sexuality will sound judgy to people that have sexuality but I just I have so many problems with like this kind of stuff like I don't even really understand porn but I know a lot of people like a lot of people are into it like it's a thing and it's like why should I have a problem with it but it just feels so weird to me I don't know and this like I'm more grossed out than ever at Spike for this behavior this time around like it's really gross it's really gross um anyway but I thought that was funny that like I do like that like obviously Spike cared enough about this robot being authentically Buffy enough that she would want to go out and slay in the middle of the night she would want to patrol so I thought that was kind of cute that like she wasn't just there a hundred percent for Spike all the time she was still gonna be a slayer at the same time hey having a Buffy butt around could really be an advantage to you know the slaying at least um, so she goes out as like you know spikes asleep after all the sexing and <laughs> all the sexing and she goes out and she immediately runs into Anya and Xander because they've decided to go on a patrol because Buffy's out of town and um, which very weird have Anya and Xander ever gone on a patrol just the two of them that just seems odd to me but anyway um, they go they run into the Buffy bot and of course she's acting so strange and yeah I don't know I don't feel like like describing all of the details of this episode why am I doing a podcast then and ultimately I guess it's a good thing that the Buffy bot and Spike were there because like a whole heap of vampires show up in the cemetery and if that had happened with Anya and Xander alone would they have made it I don't know maybe so um, that was lucky they all fought um, Buffy bot was acting weird Xander and Anya talked about it after they walked away and you know Xander pointed out she didn't ask about Dawn you know that would be the first thing that she would do and um, he's like Anya's like you're right and so he goes back to talk to her and he sees the Buffy bot straddling Spike in the middle of the cemetery as if they didn't just have sex like four times earlier in the night <laughs> like okay guys calm down but um, so then of course he's very upset he goes back to his house and he tells everyone and they're like what are we gonna do are we gonna confront her what's the deal why would she be doing this so we get like a little preview of how everyone would react to find out that Buffy is having sex with Spike which of course she will be in a year from now less than that probably um oh god I just realized about a year from now is when we're gonna deal with seeing red oh god I'm gonna resist the urge to look it up 
That's going to be a very difficult one to talk about, but let's not go there yet, shall we? Um, okay, let me get back to my notes. Anya, silly rituals, probably she was talking about the, you know, the, the vision quest. It was probably just a silly ritual with an enchanted prairie dog or something. <laughs> and I just love the idea of an enchanted prairie dog. Um, okay. Yeah. The trial run to see how everyone would react. Of course, this is not at all how they do react whenever they find out that she is having sex with Spike. They react as if it's a brand new thing, if I remember correctly, in season six. But, and I do find it odd that, like, Tara's the one that's like, no, she's crazy. What are you talking about? When Tara's the first one that finds out and she's very understanding. Oh, that's a heartbreaking moment. We're not there yet. <laughs> Um, but they all, you know, they talk about it and they're like, well, she's going through a lot right now. Like, you know, and Tara even explains before they talk about what it is that makes her say, no, she's crazy. She's like, before you guys jump on her, like I did a lot of things, a lot of weird things whenever my mom died, you know, I was sneaking out, I was lying to my family and blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah, so they, they, they attempt to be understanding in this moment. Um, we go back to the vision quest. There's a huge fire and Buffy's like, you know, nodding off, um, next to the fire. And I'm like, Buffy knows how to build a fire. Does she though? Like, do I find that believable? Again, she has no water. She built her own fire. <laughs> Um, I'm focusing on stupid details. I know. This is where my mom would say it's a TV show. Um, Xander goes to see Spike and confront him about this whole situation. And, um, and then the minions show up and they kidnap Spike and knock out Xander, I think. Um... Okay, then where are we? Then we go back to the vision quest. The first slayer shows up. Um, the fire's blazing and it wakes up Buffy. So maybe it's a mystical fire and she didn't actually build it. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> um, and she tells, I wrote down a lot of what she said. Um, Zendaya, Zendaya, at one point I knew what the first Slayer's name was, but I can't remember it right now. And it's not said in this episode. She says to Buffy, you are full of love. You love with all your soul. It's brighter than the fire. It's blinding. That's why you pull away from it. Um, and she, she says something about, so I'm not you know, bereft of love or what I, whatever. That's not what she says, but, um, and then the, the first slayer says only if you reject it, love is pain and the slayer forges strength from pain, which that right there is like a subtitle of the strength card in tarot. Love is pain and the slayer forges strength from pain. I love that. Love, give, forgive. Love will bring you to your gift. And then we cut back. There's a lot of like scenes cutting back and forth throughout this episode. We cut back to 
Buffybot shows up at Xander's house because she comes up from, like, he told her to hide under the floor or something in the crypt, and she comes out and finds him gone, and um, you'd think that she would have noticed the commotion and come up at that point, but whatever. Um, so she comes up, she finds him gone, and then she goes to Xander's to, like, get everybody to help her look for him or something, and of course they think it's Buffy, and... Willow takes her out onto the balcony, which, hey, Xander, nice balcony. Like, it looked spacious and cool. So, um, takes her out to the balcony, and Willow's like, I, I don't understand what you're doing, but, but I know that you're in pain, and, you know, she's trying to empathize. And the Buffy bot's just like, we had sex lots of times, lots of different ways. I can draw your diagram, <laughs> and you're gay. <laughs> you're recently gay. You're my best friend, Willow. Um, just ridiculousness, but everybody's like, and I get, like, of course you're not going to assume that your friend is a robot, but even though she's acting so weird, so fucking weird, let's be real. Buffy shuts down. We're going to see her literally go into a catatonic coma in the next couple of episodes because she's just going to be so overwhelmed by everything that she's just going to check the fuck out. We've seen Buffy shut down. So I feel like even though this is very strange, you wouldn't necessarily go to robot in this particular moment in Buffy's life. So I find it believable that even these people that live in a supernatural world that just encountered a robot not, you know, two months ago would not necessarily jump to that conclusion. I get that. I do. Plus, she just went on a weird vision quest thing. Like, maybe she's out of it when she got back, you know? So, then Xander comes home. He tells everybody that Spike got taken by the minion, by Glory's minions. And so they're like, okay, we need, we need to, go let's go. Buffy's here. Let's go. And they all look to her to like, you know, disseminate the plan because she always does. And she's like, I don't know. I fight with weapons. And they're like, okay, let's go get, let's go get some weapons at your house. And then we go back to the vision quest. And that's when we get the reveal after the first layer had said, love will bring you to your gift. And then she says, death is your gift. So of course, I just heard like the weirdest sound in this little room. I do not know what that was. Hopefully not a creature. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so of course, Buffy bristles at that. Like, death is not a gift. My mom just died. Like, vision quests, you know, they gotta be so cryptic. Um... But of course, we all know what that means. And it's coming up. Thankfully, I got that day off. Because the day, and I know I've mentioned this before, so sorry, I'm repeating myself. But the day that we talk about the last episode of the season, wherein we have to watch Buffy die, and it's super traumatic, is also the 10-year anniversary of um, a huge destructive tornado that chewed up my town and took away my childhood home and my home and my little sister's home and almost my grandparents' home. And it was a very traumatic event, the most traumatic event in my life. Um, so it is the 10 year anniversary of that day. 
the day that we have to watch the gift. So I specifically asked for that day off. So I'm into that. <laughs> I'm glad I got that day off. I will be here and I will be talking to you guys and I might be very emotional and I might have a lot of sidetracks on my own trauma. Of course, I will give you guys trigger warnings for all of that at the time. I'm very much time traveling tonight. I'm like, oh, whenever we talk about this thing in a month, whenever we talk about this thing in a year. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Okay. Then we get the moment that Spike arrives after he's been kidnapped at Glory's. And Glory says, what the hell is that? And why is its hair that color? <laughs> I think that's the quote of the episode right there. I just love that. This entire scene between Glory and Spike. She's torturing him. She's trying to get information out of him. The, I think this is the only time we see interaction between these two characters, perhaps, but it is so good. They play off of each other so well. I really enjoyed watching the scenes between the two of them, that she's just throwing him around. She's not charmed by his bullshit at all. She's just sticking her finger in his chest and just like, I guess there was some kind of catharsis here <laughs> because I happen to sort of associate Spike with one of my exes. So I think I was kind of living vicariously in this moment of like glory, just really, I mean, of course you feel bad for him too. We like Spike, but I love glory so much. I just... She's the best big bad. I'm going to go ahead and say that. I don't know if I've ever necessarily said that or, or knew if I had an answer to that question. If somebody asked me what was the best bad of best big bad of Buffy, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. It's glory. It's glory. I love her. She is truly terrifying. And I also love like a crazy chick, you know? You would think that Spike would be charmed by her too, because he also loves crazy chicks. I know we're not supposed to use the word crazy anymore, but it's a good word. And it's, it's not really referring to a specific thing, you know? So I don't know if I'm going to be able to stop using it. I don't know. Jury's still out on that one for me. Um, if you guys have a good argument for or against the word crazy, let me know at Mixtress Radio. Nope. Nope. Mixtress Ray at protonmail.com. Uh, okay. All right. Just in case, like, I feel like a lot of people don't realize when I'm saying mixtress, it is M-I-X, like a mixtape. I think people, a lot of the times people mispronounce them. They call me mistress, which is understandable, but it's an X. Okay, now that we've cleared that up. Um, Buffy shows up. Um, real Buffy shows up. And everybody is like, she's like, you can't tell me apart from a robot. Um, so I, I, I assume that the entire brown outfit, like I said before, is just to contrast with the Buffy bot. Because the Buffy bot is wearing like this horrendous horrendous like pleated baby pink skirt with this hot pink sleeveless top 
it is disgusting. I hate I hate both of the Buffy's outfits in this episode. They're both way too monochromatic and and awful. They're just awful. If you combined them, you'd get like one of those, you know, like when a middle-aged rich lady wants to open a cupcake store and it's only open Fridays and Saturdays and everything is overpriced, but they really just use like box Betty Crocker mix for their cupcakes. I'm not talking about anything specific or anything, but the inside of that cupcake place would have dark brown walls and like baby pink like tables and shit. It would just be that combination if you mix those two outfits together. No shade if you like that color combination. It's all a matter of taste and a lot of people hate the color combinations that I put together. But personally, I just think that dark brown and baby pink are the worst color combination ever. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, lots of torture. Giles is how the Buffy bot pronounces Giles's name, which was just a weird, funny little moment. Um, oh, I loved it when Glory smashed the glass. So he decided he was going to tell her. It's like, okay, fine. I'll tell you because she's been torturing him and he looks really beat up. So she like brings him a drink of water. She's doing that whole thing. And then she's like, do you think you can talk now? And then she like pulls the glass back and then she smashes it against his face. I don't know why I'm enjoying his torture so much. I must be a terrible person, but I really liked it this time around. Um, he starts like baiting her and insulting her and saying that she has a skanky lopsided ass. I love the word skanky. Another word that like probably shouldn't be used. Definitely not in this context where he is, you know, trying to insult her and call her skanky, which hello, Glory is classy as fuck. But I've always used the word skank just in my personal life, either referring to myself or referring to friends with affection. <laughs> you know, like, hey, skank. So I personally just, there's just certain words that are just so fun to look at and so fun to say. And skank is one of those words for me. I like it. Um, and so, yeah, he's trying to bait her and it works. She kicks him really hard and he gets out of his restraints and he tries to escape and he just like falls down an elevator shaft because he's just so beat up. And as he gets to like the lobby, Buffy shows up and, um, and the Buffy bot and Giles and Xander and everybody, I guess. Who else is there? I don't know. Is everybody there except for Tara and Dawn? I think so. Um, so a fight scene with everybody in the minions, which I think was a little ridiculous because the minions are just like, would they... I mean, they might have some fighting skills, but I just feel like they wouldn't be that tough. I think they should have dispatched with the minions quicker, but Giles was having a moment where he was getting choked out by one of the minions and the Buffy bot saves him. So that was a sweet little moment. And then she gets like electrocuted or something and she gets all fried and she doesn't work anymore. So like the Buffy bot has been in use for what, 24 to 48 hours at this point? max 
and Willow takes her back to Buffy's house and she figures out how to fix the Buffy bot and um Buffy's like I need to know I need to know right now if he gave us up um so she goes over there and we get that really meaningful scene where she's put on the Buffy bot's clothes she goes over there we don't you know the first time watching it we don't necessarily know that this isn't the Buffy bot and because Willow said this is an easy fix and then Xander says something I feel kind of bad for the guy he just got his best toy taken away and he was really thrashed and blah 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 um Xander is a big advocate for Spike in this episode which is a huge contrast to the last episode where he was being unnecessarily cruel to Spike so like pick a lane Xander you know what I'm saying but so anyway she shows up she pretends to be the Buffy bot and to try to get the information out of him whether or not he gave up the you know who the key was and he said he could never do that to her and so Buffy kisses him on the lips and then she says to him um, I think I wrote it down let's see I'm like reading through my notes don't you love that silence on a podcast um, she says to him the robot is gone because as soon as he like realizes that it's her he's like what about my robot <laughs> like really why would he even ask that the fact that he could even have the audacity to ask her that question I mean I've I love this scene I think it's so sweet that said this is disgusting and he should really be in more trouble and it and gross I kind of wish that he hadn't asked about it I wish he had just volunteered the information instead of us having to see him ask about it I don't know for some reason that just bugs me this is the day of all little things bugging me wait that's every day I never get bugged by big things um, anyway <laughs> I'd much rather be annoyed by little things than big things you know I mean really because being annoyed by big things means you're taking life too seriously right is that a good good excuse for the fact that I'm I'm detail-oriented that's what it is okay she says to him after he asks about his robot the robot is gross and obscene the robot is gone it wasn't real but what you did today for me and for Dawn that was real and I won't forget it and then she walks out so very meaningful scene and that is the very end of the episode I think there's nothing after that no there isn't so let's get into our ratings outfit of the episode it has to go to the only person that knows how to dress this season which is glory we get two outfits from her this episode the first one is like um, a deep dark red velvet dress with like this interesting back detail and also had like some kind of like black beady fringe coming off the sleeves and they were like three-quarter inch sleeves that I think is my favorite but her her um, like blue satin like spaghetti strap mini dress that she's wearing in the scene where she tortures 
Spike is also really cute. It's not, we haven't seen her in that color and you would think that it would be weird because we're used to seeing her in just gold and red, but that really worked for her too. She looked great, but I think my favorite is still the dark red because it was just a really, it was like a deep V in the front, but it also had all this like sexy back exposure. Um, she just, she always looks so good. She just looks great. So, uh, Glory gets, gets best outfit of the episode. Quote of the episode is that one, what was it? I don't remember. Um, I said, this is probably, this is the quote. Oh, whenever, um, Spike gets to Glory's and she says, what the hell is that? And why is its hair that color? So that's my favorite quote of the episode, object of the episode that I'd like to pluck out of the episode and keep for myself. The kitty. <laughs> I want a Puma spirit guide to come and uh, lead me on a journey through the desert. I'd like, I'd like to not be wearing dark brown and I'd like to have some water, please. But other than that, yeah, give me a Puma spirit guide. I'm down. Um, what else? Object outfit. Quote, uh, MVP. Um, I'm going to give that to Giles because, you know, he's being great, helpful dad right now. He's, he's really stepping up and taking care of Buffy in whatever fucking way she needs it as as her watcher, as her dad, as her mentor, as her friend. And he's never weird and creepy. Like, Giles is the best. Anytime I can give him MVP. Like, I've probably given it to him more often than anyone else, honestly. But he gets it this episode. Five by five ratings. So out of five, how much do I like this episode? It was really solid. Like, I don't think there was any there wasn't really any moments besides like the little distracting, like why is she wearing all brown kind of stupid, um, quibbles. I think I like this episode a lot. Let's give it, I gave the last episode a four, didn't I? <laughs> I'm just, I feel like almost every episode of season five is just almost perfect. So I'm going to give it another four because I really like it and I think it's great. And like, I really reserve five for like restless and band candy. <laughs> um, so it's not quite at restless and band candy level of like whenever I, before I realized which episode this was, whenever I heard intervention as most Buffy episodes, I will remember what they are based on the title, but this one I didn't. So it doesn't leave the like most lasting impression. So I guess that's my excuse for giving it a four, but I really, really like it. Um, for sure. So it gets a four out of five and that's all I got. So I will be back next week. What is the title of the next episode? Tough love. Tough love. What is that? That might be, you know what? I'm going to look it up. I am going to look something up tonight. 
just at the very end. I'm going to look one thing up, and that is it. <laughs> is that the one where we get the awfulness? The awfulness with... After discovering that Dawn has been cutting classes, Buffy is instructed that if she can't stop her sister from acting up, Dawn will be taken away from her. Meanwhile, Glory thinks she knows who the key is and her mistake has terrible consequences. Yep. Okay. So the next trauma we have to deal with is that Tara's going to get her mind sucked next episode, which means we're not going to see Tara. I mean, we do get to see her intact again at the very end of the season but like actually getting great character moments with Tara like I mean we're gonna get some in the next episode before she gets her mind sucked by glory but we're not gonna it's like I miss her already okay I'm gonna stop time traveling now We'll talk about that trauma when we get to it, shall we? Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Like, obviously I couldn't, I mean, I could have a podcast if no one was listening, but it would be even more pathetic than what I'm willing to, to put up with. Um, I could have structured that sentence better, but you know what? Whatever. I'm not going to. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will be back next week where we will deal with some other Buffy-related traumas like we do. Bye!